you a question the average person you may know this better than me but the average person I thought you were going to say you may know this person the average person <laughs> you probably do know the average person the average person supposedly has 14 different careers in their lives they make lots of changes really yeah think about yourself okay you were a musician journalist 14 careers or jobs podcast careers That's, like so I'm making this up okay but, but the average but, person okay. has start listing your careers for me. Careers? Yeah, I've careers. Had, I've had two. No, you were a musician. One. You were a writer. Two. You were a journalist. It's different than a writer. Not much. No, it is. You 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 were you had a boss right. where you assigned you writing jobs as opposed to you writing books. You got your hair splitting acts out here, but okay, fine. Speaking is different than writing. You have a speaking career. Okay. Podcasting. Okay. Okay. You've done TV. Okay. Show stuff. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know. You're up to six. I'm up to six at so least. I'm gonna have to live to 95 to get to 14. But that's so, fine. Okay. Let's let's pretend that I accept your junk stat. So what I'm wondering is, what are shortcuts? Do you think to learning something quickly? So I don't think this is a direct answer, but it's the closest that I can summon. One thing that I love about uh, journalism and writing and, and kind of the, the kind of stuff that I've done is that it gives me license to ask questions of people who are very, very accomplished at things and to ask the kind of questions that, A, I might not have access to these kind of people, but also I might not have license to ask the kind of questions. And what I mean is simply something like this, whether it's like a world-class athlete or uh, a filmmaker or an academic, someone who's like really, 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 really accomplished a lot, um, or you know, maybe not even accomplished a lot in a kind of measurable way, but done to me what are really interesting things because I'm going to weigh interest a little bit more heavily um, just because I like that. I just ask them the most basic questions, like almost like I'm an eighth grader because the construct of writing and journalism allows me to do that. And I find that the better people are at what they do, the better they are and the more eager they are to really, really explain it. So if I say to Steven Spielberg, you know, like rather than trying to sound like, you know, I do a lot of research, so I know what the people are about, but rather than trying to say like, oh, on that shot on Saving Private Ryan, when you decided to da-da-da-da and you pulled the focus and da-da-da, you know, that's ridiculous. That's like, A, it's like bringing Coles to Newcastle, right? I'm trying to talk to somebody about something that they're way better at, and it's crazy. But also, it's posing. And so what I would rather do... What do you mean? You know, it's like, pretending to be more capable or competent ah. or smarter in that area. So instead what I do is just very honestly say like, you've made all these movies, some of which, you know, I think are amazing. I haven't seen them all. I've seen a bunch of them. And like, I have no idea how that works. Like how does someone take a story that's either in a script or on a book and turn it into this literally a trick of light on the screen. You know, we know that. We know that it's not really there, but we think it's there and it envelops us and it influences our emotions so much. Like, how do you do that? Like, walk me through what are the thoughts about getting the story right and then finding the people to do it and building the sets and hiring the cinematographers and changing it so that you create this very, 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 very concrete experience out of something that is totally abstract. I'll say I literally have no idea how I would go about doing that. So I have two questions to that. A, of course, is what did he say? But B, 
did he say enough that you felt you could go out and do, let's say, a basic movie? Not as good as him, maybe, but that now you had enough information that you can go out and repeat what he what he just suggested. I will say this. I will say that if my goal was to make a movie, which it wasn't, that I learned enough. Now, I, I, this was a great opportunity. I had like three or four solid days with Spielberg one time when I was writing about him. So look, I realize not everybody gets that, but I, I wanted to take advantage of it for the purposes of writing an article. It wasn't like I was trying to become a filmmaker. But to add to that, now somebody could read your article to, get, absolutely. to replicate that experience. Absolutely. And so like, that, that's absolutely right. So that's, and that's what you try to do for journalism is give people a sense of the story with a degree of sincerity or authenticity that the people who are in that realm even can, you know, relate to it. It's not just for the outsiders wanting to learn about. So I would say that, yeah, I learned a lot from him. Um, not necessarily so much on the, on the, what I would call the purely creative side, because that's hard to, I think that's hard to transmit. True well, what, creativity. What, what, on the creative, he doesn't write the script. Right, so no, but he's very involved. He's, okay, so tell me the five things you would do if if you you got a script that okay. was great. What are the first based on your conversation with Spielberg? What's the first five things you would do if you were going to make a movie? Ugh, is this another QOD, Stephen, where we don't even have an answer? Let's just think it over for a second, and then we'll be right back. Are you tired of the internet options available to you? Well, Igloo is an internet that you'll actually like. Igloo makes secure file sharing, sending blog team updates, coordinating calendars, and managing projects between departments easy and reliable. And just like the apps you use every day, like iCal, Dropbox, or the Office Suite, it's easy to use. Igloo also gives you the flexibility to get your work done how you want, where you want, and on whatever device you want. Plus, with Igloo, you can bring more fun back into your office collaboration with comments and like buttons. Whether you're a large enterprise stuck using SharePoint or a fast-growing business overwhelmed by apps, create an intranet that matches your brand's look and feel, simplifies how you work, and is accessible on your phone. Sign up now. Try it for free at igloosoftware.com slash question. Again, that's igloosoftware.com slash question for an intranet you'll actually enjoy. Well, the first one I would do before I got the great script is be to work really, 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 really hard to get a script that's great. Um, and that sounds like an obvious one, but like if you look at the scripts of films that he's made, they're often written by people who are not just the standard A-list screenwriters because he's looking for something a little bit different than that. He's also very involved in the in the story shaping. He's also um, very plain spoken. Um, in other words, I don't. Un- he would say something like, "I don't understand." why we should care about this guy at all. And that's something that there's just a way of working out the story that he's really good at. Another, here's a simple one, a business um, trick or element that um, in retrospect should have been obvious but wasn't to me. He really likes finding uh, unheralded or unsung performers, whether they're necessarily young or, you know, others, but he likes putting people in his movies who aren't all big stars already. What's an example? Because I could think of big stars mostly in his movies. Um, geez, you know, this goes back so, um, I guess, Elliot and E.T. I guess, you know, there were a lot of characters in something like Schindler's List and Saving Private Ryan who weren't, yeah, there were a lot of guys in, in both those films who were, you know, now some of them are better known, but a lot of the kind of core ensemble players were not 
we're not that well known. But so he really likes to look for talent for a variety of reasons. I think he enjoys bringing young people along. He also likes having fresh faces because they're more malleable and they serve his purpose better. And you're not thinking, oh, it's Robert Redford. You want to think, oh, it's the character. But one thing that was neat was to watch was when he was watching, he was just sitting and watching audition tapes. And this was a while ago that I wrote about him. I think he was still watching VHS tapes. Um, He would sit and watch audition tapes. And then when he would find someone that he was interested in, he would get word to his assistant to get word to that person's agent, but they had this whole ruse about who they were saying was interested in them because they didn't want to have it be the Spielberg is asking for them because that would immediately pollute and color everything, including in a cost structure that he didn't like. So, you know, he he was savvy in that way. I think the biggest thing that I learned from him, and I think this can apply to anybody, whether you want to be a filmmaker, a writer, a business person, whatever, is he was always injecting. I don't know whether this was consciously or not, but he was always injecting himself and his personal life and his opinions and his fears and desires and especially his childhood background into the film, always. So even though it was a fictional film about whatever, you know, Oscar Schindler or Private Ryan or uh, Minority Report, whatever, he was always looking to create the emotion within that framework that was legitimate by informing it with the way he, as an individual human, was. It was never about, like, how can I make a moment that will manipulate the audience in a way that will be, quote, successful? It was, how can I identify with Mm. this story in a way that's so real that it will present as real. And then people will like it or they won't, but it will be real. And I thought that was incredibly interesting to watch. So that that's real that's really great advice, I think, for any kind of writing. And I wonder what's if there's something interesting here where you can talk to people in a hundred different fields and get like the five to ten things to kind of shortcut the the supposed ten thousand hours. Um so at least you can kind of uh Get a head start on whatever whatever new area you're interested in. So, for instance, you were you and I were talking about golf right before we started this, and you said two things to me that I had no idea about. If I was going to get good at golf, I didn't know this. I didn't know that it's primarily a game about putting. That putting is the most important skill you can learn. I didn't know that the key to putting was all about understanding how to analyze the angles and the greens itself. And I had no idea that the key to putting was leg strength, <laughs> which I don't think is obvious at all. Yeah, not so, obvious. Yeah. So, so those are three things where suddenly maybe I can skip a thousand hours of the ten thousand hours because I talked to someone who and talked actually to somebody. the guy that I talked to on the leg strength was the ten thousand hour guy, Anders Ericsson, or one of them, one of the researchers who kind of came up with this body of research that got turned into what we call the ten thousand hour. How did rule. he learn that? You know, he has done a lot of um, measurement of what he calls expert performers. And he got his interest, by the way, starting with chess. He he was a kid playing chess, and suddenly out of, he was good, but then suddenly out of nowhere, these other people got a lot better than uh, no him. No kidding. And that's what triggered his, well, what, did, what were they doing differently that suddenly got them better than me? And that triggered his whole interest in excellence. I didn't know that. Excellence. I didn't know that. Um, that's fascinating. So, yeah, so he's done a lot of research. He and a bunch of colleagues, I should say, have done a lot of research where they would bring different experts into a lab or a lab-like setting 
and measure what they do and how they do it and how it differs from people who are very good but not as good as the experts. So with something like golf, he determined that one of the most um, overlooked but common traits of very, very, very good putters, which as you said, is if you're, if you, you can be a good golfer and a crappy putter and you'll never win. You can be a pretty good golfer and a great putter and you will win because putting is that important because that's where the scoring happens. And I asked him because I'd taken up golf and I was trying to get better in a hurry. And I said, Anders, um, <laughs> do you know anything about golf because I'm trying to get better because I'm, I'm pretty bad? And especially putting because I just started working on putting, trying to go from you know terrible to mediocre at least. And that's when he told me that leg strength was a huge common trait among the best putters. And I said, why on earth would that be? And why did you even think to look for that? I can't remember what he said why he thought to look for it because it's a weird thing. But he said that basically the key to putting is... Yeah, there's the cognitive stuff and there's the creative stuff. You have to interpret the slope and you have to interpret the speed and then pick a line and hit it at the right speed on that right line. But one thing that really, really, really aids the actual doing of all that is huge lower strength stability. And the stronger your legs are, the more stable your base is, the more stable your base is, the less likely you are to have linear um, uh, sways or whatever in your in your stroke, and the better a putter you'll be. So the day he told me that, I joined a gym and started doing lots and lots and lots of leg lifts in addition to um, putting and, on and my carpet. And did you notice instant improvement? Um, no. Um, I have been getting better, but I can't attribute it at all to leg strength. Uh, and even if I did, it might very well be placebo effect and might be a hundred other things. Um, but I believe him because he's a man of science and uh, and and he actually did the measuring. So at least for those people, um, it seems to be a factor. And that's, but I mean, this goes back to your question. How do you learn something fast? You ask the people who know a crap load and you ask them in a way that is uh, has enough genuine curiosity and humility in it that you're not it's not a challenge to them like prove to me that you're right it's like tell me how you learned that you uh, are what you believe to be right we hope you enjoyed today's episode in a moment you'll hear a sample of our next episode but first don't forget igloo is an intranet that you'll actually like whether you're a large enterprise or a fast-growing business Create an intranet that matches your brand's look and feel, simplifies how you work, and is accessible on your phone. Sign up now. Try it for free at igloosoftware.com slash question. Again, that is igloosoftware.com slash question for an intranet you'll actually enjoy. Here's a peek at what we have in store for you next time on Question of the Day. Now that we're starting to learn about how the brain really works, and really just starting, but we're, we're getting there, one thing that we know for sure is that in terms of its sheer uh, computing and perception power, the human brain is at its peak from roughly, let's call it roughly 15 to 24. 